Hey, hey, happy 2023. Seasonal salutations, and welcome to episode 76, the last episode of the year. As always, thank you for hitting that little triangle that points to the right for that play a download button to have a listen to my ramblings about all things movie-related. Whether it's your first listen or your 76th, you are taking time out of your morning, afternoon, or evening, as the case may be, to tune in, so you got my gratitude. I'm your host, Frank, and this is Silver Screeners. You want to cut right to the chase? Let's cut right to the chase. Today's episode is a tale of gravely ill children with no financial access to medical care, a full-bodied apparition of a dead, evil man who haunts his narcissistic, self-absorbed, clutching, wheezing, greedy business partner to show him glimpses of Hades, threats of physical violence against the poor begging for money in the streets, families torn apart by tragedy and death, and depictions of the destitute plundering the homes of strangers who died so that they can sell the loot and make themselves a little bit of cash. Have a Welcome to the world's most famous and instantly recognizable Yuletide theme tale this side of the Victorian era. Literature, theater, film, and all other forms of storytelling that exist on this planet are not hurting for tellings and retellings and re-retellings of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. So this episode will look at two of the best adaptations in the eyes of yours truly, 1951 Scrooge starring Alistair Sim as the titular miser, and celebrating its 30th anniversary this year, 1992's A Muppet Christmas Carol, with Michael Caine waving that walking stick at the less fortunate, and Waldorf and Statler as his former business partners who tell him how much he sucks. But at the thought of talking about a couple of films which are 71 and 30 years old, respectively, has you be like, no! Oh, down, dog, it's okay. It's a New Year's gift to you from me to remind you of the wise words of actress Lauren Bacall. It's not an old movie if you haven't seen it. Joining me in this episode are return guests, Stu and Al, co-hosts of the Stu and Al Pod, a comedy podcast that I first came across a couple of years ago. They came on Silver Screeners last year for an episode on the films of the Coen brothers, and I appeared on their show for a Steven Spielberg segment. They've been friends since they were little tykes together. And here they are now for their favorite versions of Dickens' heartwarming tale of unasked-for supernatural soliciting, destitute families, and exploitation of the wealthy dead. As is usually the case when I have a guest on, our talk is pre-recorded, so once it ends, be sure to stick around for just a bit longer for the listener trivia segment. You don't want to miss that. And with that said, here are Stu and Al and I revisiting Victorian-era London. Stu, Al... Thanks for taking the time to be on Silver Screeners again. It is great having you back. And tell us about your show. Take it away. Thank you for having us, Frank. So we are Stu and Al from the Stu and Al Pod. Um, oh, you're doing it, yeah. Podcasts, but, uh, bi-weekly, so uh, fortnightly, if you like. Uh, you can find us on wherever you get your podcasts from. Stu, you can tell the audience what we do on our podcast. Mess about, don't we, really? Tell a few jokes, be a couple of prats, things like that. Yeah, pretty much. Here's Frank laughing, though, so... Yeah, that's all we do it for, isn't it? Yeah, I think Frank's one of our only listeners left. So, you know, as long as we've got one, that's all right. <laughs> we just do little sketches, impressions, jokes. And actually, our, our biggest audience is America. It is yeah, no. the USA. So, they hate us. Singapore is our second as well. So, we're international. We, we shift um, less in the UK than we do anywhere else, really. So, Germany yeah. and France are pretty big as well. Yeah, it's strange. My- that kind of humor. Yeah, we talk about the NBA quite a lot, so... Yeah, yeah, and uh, Major League Baseball. Always been a big fan of that. Go Red Sox. Hey, hey, good choice. May of 2023 will be three years for you. 
It will be, yeah, crazy. Well, we'll probably we'll get to a hundred. We've still got about forty to go, so we've got about another two years to get to get that done. Yeah, I ain't, I ain't going past hundred. Yeah, Running out of jokes. Well, we'll be back in January, and there might be a few changes to what we're doing. I think there might be a few changes in the uh, in the features, so possibly this is silver screen is exclusive. Yes, I might be dropping Al's ads. There you go. That's an exclusive oh, for you. What do you mean you're dropping Al's ads? No, well, I enjoy doing it, but I want to take it back to when I used to do ads every so often. So, because sometimes it's hard to come up with the new ads. We'll so, save all this for the staff meeting. Come on, it's... yeah. So there might be a change. It might be a different feature that I'm going to do instead, but I can't think of what it is yet. No, I'm looking forward you to it. Because... Your, you want to plug your show, Frank, at all? Or... <laughs> oh, thank you. Yes. So I have a podcast <laughs> called Silver Screeners, and this coming April, it'll mark two years that I've been doing it. So you've done it a year less, but you've done more episodes because yours is yeah. weekly, isn't it? Yeah, you do as weekly, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, try, I try to make it as weekly as I possibly can. Well, sometimes less is more. <laughs> no, no, I mean that, not I mean that in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're here to talk about A Christmas Carol, which is, of course, Charles uh-huh. Dickens in 18-something-something. And there have been God knows how many film versions, stage versions, Broadway adaptations musicals, TV specials, but for the purpose of this episode, we're focusing on the two versions that you have both said are your favorites. Al, you said yours is the Muppets Christmas Carol, which is celebrating its 30th anniversary this year. And Sue, 1951's Scrooge with Alistair Sim. So my first question for both of you, and either one of you can go first, you can do rock, paper, scissors. What were your general impressions of the story when you first, like, what's your earliest memory of it? Your first impression the first time you heard the story? Because me and Stu were at the same primary school and secondary school, um, which would be, I don't know what you call it in America. What is it? It's elementary? Elementary, yeah. Elementary. I think we probably had it in primary school at some point, um, A Christmas a Christmas Carol, because it it's a story I think when you've watched the first film, you know the story. So I think it's it's one that's been read. I, didn't, I know I've got a um, six-year-old daughter and I've read her a Christmas Carol a number of t- a number of times. So I think it's just one of those stories that you you get read when you're when you're younger. So when the film when you see the films, you're like, oh, I know this story, you know, and it's but it never gets old. It's quite it's 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 one of those mm. stories that you know even now it's a great story. And to think that it was written in the 1800s is and it still t- stands the test of time, really, doesn't it? So yeah, but yeah, I think they showed it on the TV, didn't they? When we were at school, the wheeled the older. Uh... Crack a TV out in the assembly hall. Yeah. Watch this. Yeah, I think yeah. that's probably something we probably did at, at primary school. Yeah. Wheel the little TV out on the um on the it is on the wheels. Big back <laughs> TV. Big, massive back TV. All the way back as well. You can see anything. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't that much different over here. <laughs> Anytime you saw this big TV on a rolling cart being rolled into either the classroom or you were told by a teacher, all right, everybody, we're going down to the library where the entire yeah, school's yeah. going to be. You knew it was movie time. And then it was like, yes, put down the pencil. We used to have a thing, and this might go off a tiny bit off topic, but did I don't know about um, in America, but when we were at school, we used to go and watch a TV show every week. We used to watch things. Stu, do you remember there was a, there was a program called Ghostwriter? Yeah, we used brilliant. to watch that. Um, or drag mm. through the dragon's, through the dragon's eye. eye, and we used to go every week into this into a little room, and it basically was the staff it room. Was, it was the staff room, wasn't it? We watched it. But they used to, put, <laughs> and we used to watch an episode of this TV show every week, and it was it was aimed at kids. It was you know, and there was like literacy bits in it and maths and stuff like that. But 
yeah, it's a weird thing. Like we, you know, obviously you're, you know, you're a, a lecturer now as well. And I'm a teacher. I don't do that. It's not something that I don't think we get away <laughs> with it now. Like going, oh, we'll watch a TV show this week. <laughs> oh no. I mean, I'll use I'll use film clips in class sometimes to uh, to augment like whatever it is we're yeah. reading. Like if there's like a film version or a stage, a recorded stage production of Macbeth, I might say, okay, let's take a look at Lady Macbeth's sleepwalking scene. Or yeah, those, that but then, I don't know about about you, but like my the kids that I teach don't want to watch films and stuff like that. They they'd rather do something else. They'd rather be on the iPads or the computers. So like when you go, oh, we're going to put a film on, and they're like, uh, I'm not bothered. Oh, same, absolutely same. Oh. I think the first version of the first any version of the story that I saw was probably the Albert Finney musical from okay, 1970. Yeah, yeah. And I never liked it. I just remember thinking it was weird. It was odd. And I think the overacting really got on my nerves. And it was just I was always averse to it. And so I can remember specifically one Christmas there was a we were at my aunt's house and it was right there in East Boston, the Italian neighborhoods of East Boston. And the TV was on and it was showing the 1938 version with Reginald Owen. Oh, yeah. I remember it was the scene where Jacob Marley appears, and so he runs to the window, and he calls down the night watchman, and three of them come up, and they got their rifles and their guns, and there's nobody in there, of course, and so they're laughing at him. And I remember watching it and thinking, what's this? And I remember, oh, this is a Christmas carol, I was told. And I said, this isn't, no, this isn't, no one's singing, and it's in black and white, and the whole thing. Oh, no, this is a different version of it. Oh, okay. But then I remember that I heard everybody calling everybody governor. Uh-huh. And I remember saying, what? Like, a, I, I didn't get that. So I was told, oh, yeah. I was told, oh, no, they, you know, they'll say governor sometimes the way we might say sir or mister or, yeah. you know, something like that. Oh, okay. Governor. And that was just a foreign concept to me. Dickens is really the one who enlightened me to uh, formal salutations as they're done in, in the UK. <laughs> Hello, governor. People still say governor now? I don't even know. Uh, they might do in London. Hello, governor. So let's talk a little bit about your favorite versions then of A Christmas Carol. So let's begin. Let's just go in chronological order. 1951, Alistair Sims' A Christmas Carol. What are your thoughts on that particular rendition? What works? What doesn't work? If there is anything that doesn't work at all, what are your thoughts on it? Well, he is the governor, isn't he? If you're bringing that word back. (laughs) Got to be the best Scrooge out of all of the versions. I'm seeing Al shaking his head. <laughs> There's one for you, top three Scrooges. No, he's um, he plays the part well, doesn't he? What always he gets me is his overuse of the word humbug at the start of the film. Well. Humbug, humbug, humbug. I really want a mint humbug now. <laughs> I think my favorite addition that the 1951 film version puts in that's not in the book is the very beginning when he's sitting at the restaurant and he's having his lonely Christmas Eve dinner. And he calls the waiter over and he says, more bread. Oh, and the yeah. waiter says, that'll cost you an extra five. No more bread. No more bread. <laughs> Have you eight, eight pence more, sir? No more bread. Uh, I don't know if it was intended to be funny, but it cracks me up every time. I was just trying it's to like Google how many adapt- kids doing the uh, Christmas carrying as well. He pushes the little girl into the road. And then the other two lads that are singing, he's like, be gone with you. Then, <laughs> 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 that, 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 was, that was pretty brutal. I was just trying to uh, Google how many adaptions of Christmas Carol there are. Um, And according to IMDb, film-wise, there's 33. And that's obviously not counting TV specials or, like, you know, The Simpsons, Family Guy, 
all that kind of thing. But that's that, that's crazy, isn't it? I can't decide if that's more or less than I would have thought. If we're talking just feature films and not TV or yeah, parodies like or fifteen or something like that, film wise. But if you were to go into parodies and uh, you know TV shows and stuff like that, there must be hundreds because I know the I know Simpsons have done it, Family Guy have done it. I'm pretty sure Futurama did it. Mm. Mm. Practically every practically every American sitcom, yeah. a Christmas episode has done it. You know, in the past, God knows how many decades. But it's one of those stories that if I was watching a TV show and they were doing an episode of it, I wouldn't turn it off. I'd be like, oh, brilliant. Like, you know, mm. which character are they going to use for this? So like when like Simpsons did it, you're like, well, who are they going to use for the ghost of Christmas past? Who are they going to use for Tiny mm. Tim? And that kind of thing is <laughs> always quite good. But just because obviously this is your favorite studio, the Alistair Sim. He is a great, he's a great Scrooge. He's so good. I don't know about you guys, but when I was watching it, because I've, you know, I've studied theatre and stuff like that, big into my theatre. It's a very, it's 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 like a play. You're like, you are basically watching actors who are stage actors who have been brought, you know, onto the stage. But he is, he, he is so good in it. He, he adapts so well. Because some of them, I think when you watch an old film like that, where a lot of the actors are used to the stage, you can see their stage acting so they're overacting, they're they're projecting their voice when it doesn't need to be projected. But he's got this quality where he just seems to be at home on the screen. And mm. his his performance as Scrooge is 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 excellent. And it's only bettered really by Michael Caine. No. no. <laughs> and I will go into that when we come to the Muppets later. I will I will go into why Michael Caine was better. It's not true. <laughs> my first time seeing the 1951 version i can remember i was in the eighth grade and at that point i had seen the reginald owen one god knows how many times the 1938 one and then i saw the 1951 for the first time in school in the eighth grade they were showing it to us and because i was so used to the 1938 i sat there going yeah Granted, it was the last day of school before the break, so I think we were all just turn the thing off and let's just go home kind of a kind of a mindset. But I can also remember that they were we all were saying, My God, does this guy, Alistair Sim, does this guy talk fast? Yeah. It was like at the very beginning when he was yelling at the guys who were collecting for the poor and he's like good day. <laughs> and off he goes and i can remember thinking I, I i think i caught everything i said if i hadn't been so used to the 1938 one i totally wouldn't have gotten the gist of the scene how old would you be in the eighth grade in the eighth grade uh at the time i was 13 see because like at 30 like i when i watched this earlier today it, it plays out like a horror film watching this like I think I think I've seen it before, but today I, I you know I properly watched it in preparation. I was like, God, is this is like this is terrifying. Like for like I wouldn't let a child watch it because it's just yeah. The, the Jacob Marley really, bit starts a bit jumpy in it as well. Well, that bit, but then one of the bits that I found really weird was at the start. It's like the kids looking in the sh in a toy shop window and the toys in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Terrifying. Oh my god, it was Annabelle and her brother and her cousin and the kid's like five years old and he's loving it. He's laughing, you know, and it's like 
there's that toy ship and he gets taken away and that kid gutted and then but then he just looks at one of those puppets going it's okay you get back in a minute <laughs> and that woman comes along and she's like yeah are those toys great it's like if, if i'd if i'd have woken up christmas morning and erupted present it was one of those dolls <laughs> i yeah. would be terrified yeah, never sleep again that's horrible <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Well, I'll tell you, the scene that creeped me out was not even the ghost of Christmas future with with the hand that stayed still for like mm. 20 minutes as he was like staring at it. It wasn't even that sequence. It was when Jacob Malley was visiting him and he was showing him what the world showing him all the 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 souls of all the dead people in hell. Oh, they're all running around like that. And, and they're all running around like, you know, they're yeah. all, you have the woman shivering in the cold with her baby. And they're all trying to help her, but they can't because they've lost the power forever. And then you see Jacob Molly join them, and he's gesturing at this woman and her kid, and he's looking up at Scrooge, and he's going, I can't do shit, I can't do shit. And he's like trying to help them out, and his hands just keep going through them. And so the torture, the damnation is that he can't help them, even though he, wa- he now wants to. It is, it, but it's of the time, isn't it, like that that would be... Like that was fine for kids to watch. But because their toys were terrifying, so you, know, right. you can watch what you want on the screen. But now you wouldn't you wouldn't get away with it. Like it's but I mean it's it's brilliant and it's you know it's it's just terrifying. <laughs> but even the bit in it, there's a bit in it which is really creepy. It's when um he goes to see Bob Cratchit and he tells him that he's raising his wage. And the laugh he does is like it's demonic. Oh he's like <laughs> and it's like, oh my god! Yeah, like, if you were Bob Cratchit, you'd slowly back out the room. You're, like, you're all right. You're all right. Don't worry about it. It's That's like the housekeeper. Only she's like screaming her head off, running downstairs. He's chasing after. It's like, oh, that, that was. I was just about to say that. <laughs> she was supposed to be as maid as something. She's not even in the book. She's supposed to be as maid. So she's like, here, what for? <laughs> there any line there? Like, and she and she's. <laughs> You sure you don't want to see a doctor? <laughs> I think you need he, to. He, he gives her the coin. He says it's a Christmas present. So he's got her hands wrapped up in his, and she's looking terrified. And and he's looking. You ain't going nowhere. <laughs> like, <laughs> Can I ask a question about about this? Yeah. Why are all the shops open on Christmas Day? <laughs> like when it goes into, like, it, it starts off with is the butcher's is the turkey still in the shop? The, that butcher's going under because he's he's paid a lot for that turkey and it's not selling. Like, you know, that's not good. <laughs> and the, well, when he walks through town, later, every shop is open. Every shop is like, it's <laughs> Christmas Day. And people, and Bob Cratchit was moaning about having the day off. No one else has got the day no off. One else <laughs> but if you've not bought your turkey already and it's Christmas morning, you're an idiot. Like, like give it up. They did have a, they did have a goose. How busy is that butchers on Christmas Day? Make some peanut butter sandwiches. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's probably, I bet, on he's only stayed open because he's got that big turkey left. He's like, I'm selling it. I don't care. Like, he's, I'm getting rid of it. He, he, that kid says, what? The one as big as me? And then yeah. shows them holding it. It's, they're like crazy in this tiny it's, turkey. It's like, like this little, like, yeah. That ain't that big then, is it? What would be brilliant is if he'd gone, you know, the one, the, the big turkey in the shop, and he went, butcher's clothes, mate. It's Christmas Day. Oh. Mm. Oh, never mind. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Is anywhere open? No. That's no, Christmas, Christmas Day. Day. Also, 
He gives that boy no money to go and get that turkey. If a, if a child come back went to his house, to his shop and said, right. you know the most expensive thing you've got in this shop? What, the big turkey? Yeah, can I have it? Someone will come and pay you later. No, you're all right, mate. Yeah. <laughs> At least in the Muppets Christmas Carol, he does throw some money down to him. So, you know, that's why there's he's better. True. There's been a few versions where he chucked some money down, but... I've got I've got one more note about this um, about the Alistair Sim one. Sorry, I've, I've got to say it because it, it really made me laugh at the end. Like throughout the whole thing, I'm like, God, this is good. You know, the acting's good. It's it, you know, it's quite haunting. <laughs> but there's a bit right at the end, and it sounds awful. But he walks, and there's a man with a sign on him that just you can says, say about the Bible. Yeah, I knew you'd bring that. <laughs> And it's just like, who's <laughs> wrote that sign for him? <laughs> Why have they just stood him outside on Christmas I... Day? He's just stood there with a cup. And I was just like, it's just, you know what? Because it's like pretty much the last scene in the film. It just made me laugh so much. And I was like, oh, brilliant. Well done. Well done, <laughs> blind man. <laughs> right, he puts the coin in, doesn't he, and rubs his dog. Yeah. It's so perfectly written as well. It's like, well done for whoever's done that. You know, someone sent him out, haven't they, on Christmas Day? Go on, go on. If that was today, though, someone would have just write not at the top of it. Yeah, that was great. That's my favourite scene. I'm I'm actually going to go back and watch that scene at some point, just just because it was my favourite scene in the whole film. God God bless us, everyone. So let's pivot towards 1992's Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh, hey, that's face. Okay, I think I just struck a chord here. I'll right. let you take away. So for me, I love this film. And they're like, you could put the Muppets in anything and it would improve it. Okay. Christmas Carol. Even better. <laughs> a Muppet Shawshank Redemption. You could see Kermit playing him, you know. I don't know what and, they were um, playing on that speaker that day. I actually would pay money to see the Muppets do Gone Baby Gone, The Town, Goodwill Hunting, any Affleck movie set in Boston. <laughs> Ooh, Friends of Eddie Coyle. The Godfather? They do The Godfather. Oh, in Disney World, they have a parody poster of it, The Dog Father, and it's Rolf. There you go. And they also have <laughs> Miss Piggy done up as Audrey Hepburn, breakfast, lunch, and dinner at Tiffany's. <laughs> you know what, though? They've never found a good role for Animal. It, like in the Muppet Show, brilliant, but in any film adaption, they've just not got a role for him. Until they do Muppet it, Taxi but... Driver, then you've got Animal playing <laughs> I don't know if he's subtle enough throughout, though. You're talking to me. I've got a few notes about um, about why this film is the, uh, is the greatest version the of it. Second greatest Christmas Carol version, yeah? For a start, Michael Caine as, uh, you know, as Ebenezer Scrooge, the emotion that he shows when acting amongst Muppets, why didn't he win the Oscar that year? Like the fact that he can cry in front of Muppets, how does he do it? Like Michael Caine is the greatest actor ever because like I would just be laughing, you know, there's people underneath like moving the mouths. How is he not laughing all the time? Like he's got such raw emotion in the scene, in every scene. Like you know, when it's all like when he's in he's in the workhouse and all these little rats running around and they're like singing and stuff, and he doesn't show any emotion. He's just like really like kind of just horrible to them. I'm like, gee, that's amazing. Well done, Michael. Where's your Oscar for that? You know, because he won an Oscar, Michael Caine. Two. See, I bet they were both. 
They were both a Muppets Christmas Carol, but they couldn't give it, so they gave it for other films. So, <laughs> Well, the funny thing is, is that for him, he had the, I don't want to say the dubious distinction, but he was sort of at a disadvantage from any other human actor ever to be in a Muppet movie. Because yeah, at yeah. least they all had, and I'm talking all of the Muppet movies, the old, the old school ones, the newer ones, they all are playing comedy. Michael yeah. Caine is the only one, the only human actor in a Muppet movie, at least I can think of off the top of my head, who actually had dramatic scenes to play. It's basically, if you just replace those Muppets with humans, it'd be the same performance. He'd still give that amazing performance. Well, he said that he was going to play it straight, that he wasn't going to camp it up, like, knowing he was in a Muppet movie. And he didn't. And he just, he played it straight. Like, I'd love someone to to CGI it, put real actors in it instead of the Muppets, and and people would say it's the greatest version ever because of the emotion he shows. And But because it's Muppets, people are like, oh, it's a bit of a comedy. It's not. It's not a comedy. There's some comedy elements in it, but it's it's just, when he cries... And you're like, geez, how did you do that? You'd really have to go deep into your subconscious to be able to cry in front of Kermit the Frog. <laughs> but um, one of my favourite parts of the film happens very early on. It's when they're walking through um, the streets at the start and they're singing. And there's <laughs> so there's one of the Muppets and he's selling turkeys. And he's like, turkeys for sale, fresh turkeys. And a turkey comes up and starts going, hey, 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 hey. And he goes... <laughs> And I only know I had to rewind it. The turkey's called Martin. And mm. he says, Hey, get back in there, Martin. <laughs> just <laughs> the fact that the, the turkey's called Martin. It's just hilarious. It's just genius. So good. Over here, there are pigs going on about having lunch and dinner and brunch and whatever else as well. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite bits is when Kermit, as Bob Cratchit, arrives home and Miss Piggy goes over to him. And then you see all the kids at the table on the background. You hear their voices as the she's saying, yeah, give me a little bit of this. And she's like, they're like squeezing each other and giggling. And it's like, whoa. Ah! Even like, like the scenes with the fact, I mean, why are their kids not half frog pig hybrids? I don't understand that. <laughs> the girls and pigs, the boys uh, and I did that on Family Guy once, didn't they? The half yeah. pig. I'm in constant pain. <laughs> but like that bit when when it's a, the ghost of Christmas future and um, like it's obvious that Tiny Tim has died, like the emotion of the Muppets and it's it's Miss Piggy and Kermit. He comes home and they're like they say because she says, oh, he's not home yet. He's usually home by now. And they say he he always takes a little bit longer on his walk home now. And it's so sad. And it's like, how do you get the Muppets to portray that emotion of... And then they show the chair and it's got his little crutch and his hat and his scarf, Tiny Tim, and he's dead. Oh, oh God, how sad. And it's so bad. And then, he, and then Kermit says something like, does he say beginnings and endings or something like that to every everything? And this is just one of the endings. And it's, he's just talking about Tiny Tim dying and you're like, how is Kermit the Frog making me feel such emotion? <laughs> Kermit the Frog, like, I want him to be doing something funny, but it's so good. I love him. <laughs> if they were that poor, though, that crutch would have been firewood. They wouldn't have. Yeah, they'd have thrown it on the fire. Yeah, this is and, true. and someone's wearing that scarf and hat. I'll tell you, though, one of the saddest moments, I think, which is not in any other version, at least that I've seen, 
and it's all Michael Caine, is when he is with the ghost of Christmas present, who's showing him his nephew Fred's Christmas Day party. And yes. they're playing the game. Oh, and yeah. the answer is, it's your Uncle Scrooge. You know, all these insulting descriptions. Oh, I know what you're talking about. It's your Uncle Scrooge. And in the book and in most film versions, you know, they all laugh and Scrooge, and maybe he's grousing a little bit and maybe he's like, Ur. but in this version, he just, Michael Caine just gets this complete look of, I don't know what you would call it, hurt, betrayal, just sadness that his nephew is enjoying this huge laugh at his expense. Yeah, because you kind of get that impression at the start that his nephew wants to change him, that he loves him. But then you realize that he's laughing behind his back. It's a, it's a weird one because when he goes around to see them on Christmas Day and he's really happy, his nephew sort of looks at him like, fuck you. He like hates <laughs> like It looks like he hates him. Like Not in the 51 uh, one. He's like proper chuffies there. And it's it's one of those in a in a you know like in a in an action film where he in the sequel the nephew would be the bad guy because now he hates Scrooge mm. and he's gonna, he's gonna do something. This Carol two Fred's revenge. Yeah. Well, if he's like if Ebenezer like showed up and like his nephew's like Ebenezer, you son of a bitch, and then they do the <laughs> Rocky handshake as well. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know, I can picture Fred showing up with some kind of, I don't know, with an Uzi or something and saying, yippee kayo kaye, motherfucker. <laughs> but I've got like, the last thing I've got, I mean, apart from Kermit being perfect as Bob Cratchit, that role was written for Kermit before he was born. But also there's a, there's a joke in it that's really good that I, I, I missed and I went back because I thought, have I missed a joke there? And I think it's the the, the rats and they say, um, they're talking about being cold, and one of them says, "Hey, our assets are frozen." And I was like, "Oh, that's good. That's one for the that's one for the adults. Our assets are frozen." But it's not. I like it's the first one as well. Like with the fact that Gonzo is playing um, Charles Dickens, and he's like kind of he's narrating throughout, and they keep getting knocked into the snow, which is really nice. I love that. Like they keep yeah, getting, yeah. you know, they, there's so many accidents with them. But I just, you know. I know people will poo-poo it because it's you know it's not a classic version of it, but I just I love it. It's and I haven't I haven't watched it for years, and today was the first time I've watched it in maybe five years. But it is my favorite Christmas film. It's just so and there's so every time you watch it, there's things going on. It's like you know noticing that the turkey was called Martin. I've probably seen that film 10, 15 times before, but I've never noticed that. And it was yeah, something I like the Martin and it was, and I and it was something I had to skip back. So did he say Martin? He's like, get back in there, Martin. And it's like, brilliant, genius. Oh. But there's so many things going on in the background that you kind of, I think you get after five, six viewings and whatnot. As much as I did really love Scrooge, you know, today I watched it and I loved it. I just love Muppets. And Beaker, when he gives him his scarf. <laughs> oh, and Beaker flips him off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Rat saying, but tell me, what about Tiny Tim? What about Tiny Tim? And then Gonzo turns to the camera and asks for Tiny Tim, who did not die. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect having that kind of that uh, that narrator in it, that, uh, and they are a little comedy duo, and they kind of because a lot of the scenes are quite serious. You know, they are very serious, but they're still. Like, I'd love to have been in the pitch meeting when they did it. Like, oh, we're going to do a Muppets Christmas Carol. Okay, Mu a Christmas Carol is very serious. Are you going to keep it serious? Yes, it's going to be serious, apart from little 
because you know you watch every Muppets movie, you watch any Muppet show. It's comedy. It, that's all it is. Muppets is comedy. It's what it's supposed to be. So to then do a Christmas Carol and not make it hundred percent comedy is just. Even the songs aren't really funny. They're like you know they're sweet and they've got a message and you know it's it's so strange to watch that and uh, you know you go back and view it and yeah it's 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 odd but I love it. What is your favorite song in this movie? Oh, Marley and Marley. <laughs> it's so good because uh, who better to play Marley and Marley than those two characters? Really, you could you that it couldn't have been cast better. And it's cast so well. It's you know when you watch a film and you go, oh, wasn't Brad Pitt the perfect cast for that? You know that role or whatever. You know, you've got the Muppets and they've cast them all so well. <laughs> you know. <laughs> You couldn't hope for better. <laughs> Go on, Stu. Say something positive about Muppets. <laughs> I, I, thought Stu I, I don't, I don't <laughs> dislike it. It's my second favourite Carol. I enjoyed it. It's, it's, good. it's just it's, when you're saying it's better than the Alice in Sin one, then it's clearly not. Well, it's a difference of opinion, isn't it? No. Frank, <laughs> got one vote each. Where are you putting it? Oh, God. Wow. Well, this is awkward. <laughs> oh, you can say the Muppets, any. I would have to say it depends on what kind of mood I'm in. If I'm looking for something with sort of a wry, witty, but still sweet and sentimental, I'd go with that. Yeah, you just pass forward to that blind scene at the end of the movie one. <laughs> I mean, out of the two films, that is the funniest scene. <laughs> I mean, as far as a straightforward adaptation of the story, you know, the acting and the writing and all of that, I'd go with 51, but Michael Caine does give Alistair Sim a run for his money. Yeah. Like, I'd say they're running neck and neck as far as best incarnation of Ebenezer Scrooge. In terms of A Christmas Carol, I take it that we all have some trivia questions for each other, or at least a couple of us do? Stu, I haven't come up with any, because, sorry, I put all my points down. I should have said, what's the man got on a sign at the end? <laughs> I'll, I'll fit that in somewhere. <laughs> um, I've got a quiz so just just shout out first one that I hear will get the point okay sounds Very good easy quiz as well so question one Marley's first name was Jacob Jacob uh, no I'm talking about the singer and the first name her was Bob Marley oh very clever uh, yeah <laughs> wrong. Uh, what is the name of Scrooge's nephew Fred uh, no, I was looking for Huey, Louie, or Dewey. I was talking about Scrooge McDuck. So again, you're both wrong. Oh, Scrooge and who were apprentices for Fezziwig? Marley. No. I don't know. Was it like Dick Wilkins or something? One nil to Frank. Dick oh. Wilkins. Scrooge's sister was named... Fran. Francis. Is it Fran? It says oh. fan here, but I swear it says Fran. I'll, I'll allow it. It's 2 0. It's 2 0. When he was young, Scrooge was in love with who? Well, in the 51 film version, for whatever reason, her name is Alice. Yeah, no, I've got something else here. But in the it's book, her not name. usually Alice, is it? No, it's usually Isabel or Isabella. Yeah, yeah, we'll say Bell for Isabel, yeah. Bell, yeah. In the 51 one, though, the young the young Scrooge is played by George Cole. 
who we know better as Minder. Oh, is it? Yeah. So apparently, like, he was his mentor. Alistair Sim was, like, played mentor to George Calder in nine films together, and is his foster son as well, apparently. So I've just mm. read. Ooh. Mm. Um, which Cratchit played a joke on Bob and hid from him when he came home? Tiny Tim? No. Martha? Martha, yeah. <laughs> what the name of the children that the Ghost of Christmas present showed to Scrooge? Oh, oh ignorance and want. Yeah, it's, it's a 4-0 drubbing here. What are you doing? The charwoman, the laundress, and the undertaker's assistant sold what they took from Scrooge to who? Wasn't it like his bed curtains? Oh, yeah. The bed curtains and all the silver and all his belongings, but what do they, what's the guy's name that they try and sell it to? And he ripped uh, them off. He's a big spider in, uh, in the Muppets Christmas Carol, <laughs> which is really creepy. Itsy bitsy? Yeah. Old Joe is the uh, old bloke. Uh, These questions are like, yeah. what does Scrooge send to the Cratchit family at the end? Big turkey. And who observed God blesses everyone? Martha. Scrooge. Only Tim. <laughs> uh, I think Frank was taking a the piss there. <laughs> Eighteen one to Frank. Well done, Frank. <laughs> Hey, well, I got a couple here. I don't think I have as many as 18, but we can give it a whirl. What kind of business does Ebenezer Scrooge own? It's a the tax, business? tax collectors, isn't there? Something like that. It says here accounting house, so I'm assuming it's the same thing. Yeah. Bookies. Drug trafficking, prostitution. <laughs> what city does Ebenezer Scrooge live in? London. Come on, Al. Is it? It's not London. No, it is. I'm saying, come on, Al. London. You, you know what I'm looking for. Do it, you Dave. London. There you go. <laughs> okay. Says that in every episode, in case you're wondering what the hell that was all about. <laughs> <laughs> what is Molly's ghost covered in when he appears to Ebenezer Scrooge? Chains. <laughs> oh, you shouldn't have. Uh, you should. You shouldn't have uh, chuchuted it. <laughs> the entire story takes place over the span of how many nights? One. No, three. I should clarify, as Dickens wrote it. Three. Three, yep. And then he goes back in time and wakes up on Christmas morning. In the um, extended version, it tells you what to get up to a Christmas Day night as well. So technically four. I would like to see, if, see, oh. see, see what happens the next year. He goes off the rails again, doesn't he? Say, yeah, does he follow through? Or? Well, it gets around to April next year, and then he sees his losses, and he's like, fucking hell. So he goes back <laughs> to being screwed again. What gift does Ebenezer send anonymously to Tiny Tim in the 1951 film version on Christmas Day? Turkey, as big as that kid. As big as me, in the window. In addition to the turkey, though, there's something else. Um... It's not a scarf, is it? It's like a toy carousel that yeah. Tiny Tim saw through the window in the beginning with uh, all those yeah, yeah. dolls. Last one. What year was the book A Christmas Carol written? 1876. 1896. Uh, Earlier. Earlier. 1862. 
Earlier than 62. 1826. Higher. 1834. 34 higher, lower than 54. 1842. Oh, 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 oh. 43. 1841. 43. Ah. What is written on the sign held by the man outside at the end of the 1951 version? Help, I'm impotent. <laughs> no. I've now got some if you want them. They're from A Muppet's Christmas Carol. Uh, Question one, when the bookkeepers are freezing, what do they say are frozen? Assets. They're assets. Yeah, they're assets. In the beginning of the film, one of the characters claims, if you throw it away, it will come back. What is he talking about? Was it a wreath? Was it a wreath? Oh. I thought it came back, back like a boomerang and like... Isn't it a fish or something like that? Fish. A fish. Yeah. Uh. Uh, what Christmas tune are the singing grapes singing during Fozzie Wig's annual Christmas party? Jingle bells. No. Deck the halls. Deck the halls. Yeah. That was a wild shot in the dark. I swear. <laughs> I'm just going. To, I'm. I'm on a Google um, quiz here. Uh, what does the face in the doorknob yell? Scrooge. Yeah, Scrooge. Yeah. Yeah. It's Three, uh, how many members of the Cratchit family are alive when Scrooge visits the ghost of Christmas yet to come? Six. Five. Five. And finally, what does Rizzo and God want God to bless as he is jumping off the gate into Scrooge's yard? Us, everyone. His broken little body. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. That's the there's the quiz from Muppets. That's cool. <laughs> oh, Frank, you were going to talk about the Saturday Night Live. Oh yeah. Um, two weekends ago, Steve Martin and Martin Short hosted SNL, and they did a parody of the scene where Scrooge wakes up and it's Christmas morning, and he calls down to the kid, "Get the turkey as big as me." He throws down the coin at the kid, and it like impales him right in the head, and so you see all the blood come gushing out. <laughs> And he then like impale pretty much everyone in the scene as well when he starts throwing more coins down. So oh, this will fix your eye. <laughs> like, Let me pay you a medical bill. <laughs> and then they start coming. It's like Ebenezer Scrooge is murdering people. Or <laughs> it's great. So you've got to watch it. It's great. Oh, it is so funny. He's a killer. <laughs> but the thing is, Martin Short plays it so well. His Ebenezer Scrooge is actually really good. Like when he's throwing, you know, the whole performance is very good. It's just the fact that he's killing people. <laughs> well, that was like the perfect blend of great acting and great writing because you don't always get high quality on both ends. No, no. But this was one case where it just all it all came together. Yeah, yeah. They were very good on it. They were very good. Hello, Governor. Hey, guys. Honestly, thank you both for taking the time out of a Sunday evening to record this. I have enjoyed this immensely, as I always do whenever I talk with you two, so thank you. Anything else that you wanted to say about your show before we wrap things up? Um, Where people can find you on social media? Or... You can find us on Instagram and Twitter. We are at Stu and Alpod. You can find us on any of the streaming sites, Amazon, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Stu, you kind of do this. So what else are we on? Launch Deezer, Google Deezer. Pod. I think we're on everything now. So Pretty much on everything. So just Google um, Stu and Alpod and you'll find us if you want to listen to us. 
But thank you, Frank. This has been, it's really nice to talk about a film, like a couple of films that, you know, mm. that we really enjoy. And, you know, it's it's been great. Yeah, thank you. It's all festive now. Before we go, Frank, Stu, can you do your Tasmanian Devil impression? Because you did it on our episode once and it was so impressive. Oh, yeah, it's a stop. Yeah, I know, but it's really good. Um, that was my conversation with Stu and Al of the Stu and Al pod. Be sure to check that show out and thanks to them again. This is where you'd usually hear the results of the weekly online poll, but I didn't put one out this time. Christmas week after all, so time simultaneously slowed down and sped up. But there'll be another poll ahead of the next episode, so don't go away. That leaves one last thing before we close out. The listener trivia segment. In each episode, there is a different trivia question that's directly, and sometimes indirectly, related to the movies or the cast and crew involved. You're all invited to take part in it at any time. Please know that I like to err on the side of caution, so I don't announce both first and last names in case that would make anyone uncomfortable. So I only announce first name and last initial. But if you tell me otherwise, then full names it is. You get a shout-out as well as a movie-related meme sent your way with a personalized greeting. And never worry about timing. It does not matter what episode you're listening to, whether it's from 2021, 2022, 23, however far back, however recent. Answer any trivia question from any episode at any time. You will get your meme and your shout-out. And if you're a creator of anything that you would like to promote, music, YouTube channels, websites, web series, podcasts, I gotcha. Always happy to give a no-strings-attached plug, because, as I say each time, people help people, and that's all there is to it. So last time, Seven Seas from the No On 15 Allcast joined me as we hailed the 1983 classic A Christmas Story, where the question was... Last month, November of 22, saw the premiere on HBO Max of the long-awaited Christmas Story follow-up, A Christmas Story Christmas, with all of the original child actors returning as the same characters as adults. Melinda Dillon, who played Ralphie's mother in 1983, declined to return, so Julie Haggerty stepped into the role. Haggerty might be best known as a flight attendant named Elaine in what 1980s slapstick farce about a 747 passenger airliner overtaken by food poisoning. And one of the film's many quotable lines of dialogue... Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. And the answer is... Airplane. A movie-themed meme with a personalized greeting is on its way to three return winners. In no particular order... There's my buddy Chris, host of the Movie Psycho podcast. For his show in the new year, he'll be taking a look at the top 52 films according to IMDb rankings. That's the Internet Movie Database. So that's going to be great to listen to. His sense of humor is contagious, so beware. In the best possible sense of the warning, of course. And straight from Milan, Italy, DJ Nick, one of three hosts of the Gold Standard Oscars podcast. He and his co-hosts, Rachel and Zan, do a deep dive into each Oscar-winning Best Picture in their episodes. Their most recent episode revisits 1993's Schindler's List, and they always bring a lot of insight to the table, not to mention their natural chemistry. We've been on each other's shows in the past, and we have plans to do it some more, so that's on the docket for the new year. Give their show a listen, your eyes will be opened. And the third return winner is... Ed Ah, a member of the Silver Screeners Facebook group who I've been fortunate enough to meet in person as he's come to a few of my in-person film lectures. Keep your eyes open for those memes, and to anyone else kind enough to be listening, how's this for a New Year's resolution? Join in the trivia. It's fun, easy, and doesn't cost you a cent. So why not go ahead and begin with this episode's question? 
The Muppets, were rebooted in 2011 with the feature film simply called The Muppets, starring Jason Siegel as Gary, brother of a new Muppet named Walter. Name the actress who plays Gary's girlfriend, Mary. She sings and dances in the film, and she's a six-time Academy Award nominee. Her Oscar-nominated roles include 2005's Junebug, 2008's Doubt, 2010's The Fighter, 2012's The Master, 2013's American Hustle, and 2018's Vice. She's also well-known by Disney fans as Giselle in 2007's Enchanted and 2022's follow-up, Disenchanted. And she's also well-known by Superman fans as Lois Lane in 2013's Man of Steel, the Batman vs. Superman films, and 2017's Justice League. Send in your answers, and as always, if you have any follow-up questions, or have any comments on anything from today's episode, or any episode that you've listened to, just hit me up on my socials. That's FilmBuff1974 on Twitter, The Film Group Silver Screeners on Facebook, Frank Mendoza 1974 on Instagram, or simply email silverscreenerspod at gmail.com. And that does it for episode 76. As I say at the conclusion every time, big thanks once again for listening. Be sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Please feel free to give Silver Screenings a rating on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It does help to boost the show's visibility on these platforms, which only means that more people can discover it, and I can make a better show for you. Catch you next time. My name is Frank, wishing you good health, good weather, and good movies. And until next time, keep on screening. And I leave you now with the soothing sounds of the New Year's Eve countdown, as celebrated by Stu from the Stu and Alpod. Five, four, three, two, one. Wow, 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 wow.